So I want to talk a moment about Optio, who's our sponsor for the podcast. Optio helps Google ad managers automate time-consuming manual tasks so you can spend more time on high-level strategy and creative work. Optio analyzes your Google ads performance and suggests new ways you can optimize the account. It helps you stay on top of bids, budgets, keyword management, and ad testing, and it also sends you email alerts if there are any sudden changes in your cost, impressions, clicks, and conversions, all of which will help you a ton. Right now, Optio is offering a special six-week trial for all of you, our listeners. Just go to optio.com slash S-E-J. That's O-P-T-E-O dot com slash S-E-J to get started. Thanks. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Search Engine Journal Show. I am your host, Brent Satoris, and today we are joined by Brad Geddes, who is the co-founder of Adalysis, world-renowned speaker and PPC expert. We're going to be talking about everything you should be considering when it comes to ad testing. I hope you enjoy the show. Hey, Brad. Uh, great to have you on the show. Thanks for joining me. Oh, thanks for having me, Brent. Wonderful to be here. Yeah, Brad, I mean, uh, we've been talking a little bit about PPC lately, and it's been something I've been interested in. And I, and I thought to myself, I really want to have a couple people come on and talk PPC with us here on the Search Engine Journal show. And I mean, your name, you're pretty much one of the most respected uh, speakers and authors and PPC experts in the world. Um, you speak around the world. You, you, you really uh, have a reputation that kind of precedes you. And so um, I'm really, really stoked to have you on the show and talk a little bit about uh, uh, analytics and PPC and ad testing and everything else. Wonderful. Sounds like a good time. So particularly, I wanted to ask you about one, you know, there's, there's a lot of things that people kind of bumble through when it comes to PPC. And there's, um, there's certain things that are kind of initial level things that, you know, like you want to have your keywords and you want to think about your budgets and you want to kind of get yourself set up. But one of the things that I really wanted to get into with you was ad testing. And I think this is something that, you know, I don't think people put enough time or energy into. And, and so I wanted to start off by just kind of approaching it from a sense of why do we even need to test our ads? I mean, I understand that like Google's constantly calling people saying, hey, we'll set up your ads for you. They have a lot of tools like the responsive ads and, and some of the other things that they have to kind of help you, um, you know, test out some of your ads. So why do people really want to focus on ad testing? You know, so we think about marketing just from a marketing perspective, right? Marketing is about connecting with people. Right. That, that's sort of rule number one is you are persuading someone, connecting them, and hopefully they do business with you. And so the entire conversation around that is the ads. What does your ad say? What does your message say? And if you're not controlling that, it's like you've got all this work, all these keywords and this and that you worked on. And then that's your targeting, right? And all that stuff does is say – Show an ad, don't show an ad, here's what I'm willing to pay. That's all the targeting does. So the, the real marketing and connecting people is from the ads. And, and you're right, most people don't think enough about them. Um, so testing them lets you say, well, all right, we have three ideas of messages or maybe 20 ideas of messages. Which one actually connects with people? Which one persuades them that they should look at us instead of the other, you know, 20 options on a search result? And, and that's really at the fundamental level is if you're not really thinking about ads and testing ads, 
you're ignoring all this work you do in the targeting. You're pretty much ignoring it and saying, eh, we'll just show some message and hope this works. Well, a lot of the people who kind of get into this from the beginning aren't necessarily the creative people, right? I mean, a lot of them aren't, 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 particularly they're like marketers who are like, hey, go do this PPC thing, right? And then, they, you know, or their, their, their PPC is a part of their wheelhouse and they're, they're diving into it. But when people start thinking about creating ads, how do you even start this? I mean, I, even from keyword research, we see that people don't always know what their customer's looking for, or they use phrases that they, they think relate to their company, but, you know, and as somebody who's searching wouldn't actually search that. So how do they even get started? How do you even come up with the ads that you're going to test? You know what? So, so when you think of the paid search side, right, you've got two types of people. You have the math people, and they're amazing at bidding and running reports, and they're terrible at ads, right? And then you've got the ad people, the creative side, who are terrible at analytics, but they're great at being creative side. And paid search is one of those disciplines that takes both sides. So, I mean, number one, you're going to have to sit down and just brainstorm about what works. Um Competitive research. If you have a sales team, right? The you go to your sales team and, and say, okay, when you ask someone this or they respond this way, you know you've got the sale. That's a great thing to, to try and, and test out. But we can usually boil this down for for you know newer people in, in a few steps, right? So we think of our traditional you know Google search ads. We have three headlines. Some there's descriptions and stuff too, but let's just focus on, on what really is presented high in the search results. So usually if you start with – it's kind of a formula almost. Headline one shows we're relevant to the searcher. So we're echoing the search query where we're talking about why you do that search based upon the keyword. right? And that's, that's very ad group focused. And then we're thinking about, all right, next we need to show a benefit to someone. What do they get out of this? What's in it for them? Why are we better than someone else, right? And then we've got the call to action, right? All right, we want you to go do this now. You know, learn more, buy a product. I mean, be more creative than that, obviously. Um, and, and so if you just start thinking, all right, I just need to write something related to these keywords, I just need to think about the features or why someone should do business with me, and then I need a good call to action. It's an it, it breaks it down into hey, there's three thirty character lines that I can sort of fill out on the sheet to get started. Is there a sort of like best practices for you know call to actions? Like what what really works, or is that very specific to kind of the audience that you're targeting? It's very well for that comes back almost to the funnel in itself, right? So. If someone's high in the funnel, you can't ask them to buy something if they don't know who you are first, right? So that's often that, you know, learn and compare type of stuff. If someone searched for a competitive term, much more likely to talk about compare or alternative options. If someone is at the buy phase, they're ready to check out their party remarketing list or whatnot, that's going to be a much harder call to action. Um, what, you, what you don't want to do is write your ads with like the eight standard calls to action on the web. So if you look at the majority of ads out there, they are shop now, buy now, learn more, call now, right? And there, there's a few others. And, and so shop now, why? Shop now to get the best deals, right? Or to mm -hmm. 
do something related to your ad group or call us for the best prices or call us to learn more about how, how you can take advantage of this benefit. Um, so and you want to be careful being too boring with them. And just deviating a little bit can draw attention to your call to action versus somebody else's, right? Oh, yes. Uh, I mean, I can't go do a search for like buy TV and, you know, what you're going to see is almost every ad just says buy TV. They're really boring. Um, I think it's interesting because I, I actually wouldn't have thought to like reiterate the searcher's query in the first sentence. Right. So I would have thought like, OK, they've already they, they know what they're searching for. Now I'm going to tell them why we're better than somebody else. But you actually find that that first line should really validate that their search was the right search. Yeah, it's one of those. And it may not be the actual search query. Right. Someone might search for, you know, mortgages and and you might say something like, you know, get the finances to buy your dream home. Right. You're, you're still talking about why they did that search. Gotcha. You're just validating that they've searched for something that you have an answer for. You know, exactly. So when you let's say we've sat down, we've come up with our ideas, we've, we've acknowledged, hey, we need to do testing. We, we, we understand our competitive nature and what we're trying to sell. We understand where people are at in their funnel for the ad groups that we're putting together um, and the keywords that we're, we're working with for that funnel. Um, how, what is that you actually what do you look for when you're actually testing? Because I always run into this. I'm like, well, you know, basically, I just look for Google to tell me more people clicked on this one than this one. And so so I think that a lot of times and, and that's the same way with a lot of Google products, right? It's like you look at the, the general level reporting and it tells you something, but it's not necessarily the right something. Right. So what what should people be looking for to determine? Well, one, how do you test the ads and and what do you look for to determine a winner? All right, so. When you think about determining winner, this goes back to why are you advertising? Why are you spending money? Is it for leads? Is it for conversions? Is it for eyeballs? Right? Because each one of those is going to have a different metric you look for. So if you are a lead gen company, you're probably looking at something like conversion per impression, which is the most conversions possible for each impression that your ad receives. Um, that takes into account click through rate and conversion rate. If you're e-commerce, you're probably looking at ROAS or revenue per impression comparisons. If you just want the most eyeballs, click through rate, except that doesn't mean they cared about your page, right? right? So, so that, I mean, that could be 100% bounce rate, which is why, again, even if someone wants eyeballs, we usually define what that looks like, like two minutes on websites, Make that a conversion. Now let's test per two minutes on a website. Um, so it's really going back to CTR is a terrible metric um, in general because it just means someone clicked on your ad and cost you money. It doesn't mean they cared about what they saw afterwards. Um, so you go back to, you know, the reason you're, you're marketing is that primary metric you're looking at. And, and this is why you have to be careful on how Google serves those impressions because Google cares about clicks, right? That's where they make money is clicks, right? And, and, and serving the, the ads with the highest clicks on an impression basis, right, is what they care about. So they're going to often favor your ad with the highest click-through rate, even though it may be your worst converting ad. For sure. 
So, so uh, uh, what about the tools that you use for this? Because I mean, we're we're talking fine. I can I can create you know a handful of you know ads, but how, you know, do you just utilize the the PPC platforms kind of statistics on which ads are performing, and you just kind of narrow it down? How long do you run the ads for before you make a decision? Like, what are some of the factors that start to narrow you down to the? the let's say you put in ten ads. How do you narrow that down? Okay, so first, never put 10 ads in an ad group. You'll never get results unless you have massive amounts of, of traffic, right? So usually you're talking two to three ads. If you have a lot of traffic, you can go up to five ads. Um, when you break that, Google's ad serving just gets really bad um, at an ad group level. So usually, you know, two or three ads per ad group to start. Um, and, and then what you're doing is you're defining things such as minimum time. Right, so at least a week of time, because um, Sundays and Tuesday searches are so different. Um, usually, though, I mean, that's minimum. It, it's okay to do every three or four weeks to really dig into the data, because that's, you know, roughly a month, a couple sales cycle links. Um, that's fine. Um, two is minimum data, right? So we have this rule that if one person can significantly affect your data, you just don't have enough information. For sure. Right. So usually, you know, and there's no way to define minimum data because we have some clients who do a million impressions in some ad groups a month and others who do like 50. Um, but usually, you know, a few hundred impressions minimum, obviously, the more the better. And then you're looking at statistical significance, right, which is the, the percentage chance that a result is not due to randomness. And Due to this minimum data, this time frame, statistical significance, never, ever run this manually. Um, it's, it's really common for someone to like sit down, think about this. They put it all in there, and then you know, they start running statistical significance in Excel. And you find out week one, you got one winner. Week two, you got two winners. Week three, you're just sick of it, and you start randomly picking winners and losers. <laughs> so use a script. Um, use a third-party software. I mean, at Alice, our software does all this automatically, but you can do, you can run a, a script for this or some other third-party uh, product vendor, but don't do it by hand because it will not take long before you just start eyeballing the data. And humans are terrible at eyeballing data and making decisions. So when you talk about data, what exactly are we talking about when you talk about statistical significance and calculating that? What, what are you looking for? What is you, look, you mentioned that you have a, a tool that, you know, analysis that runs this. Like, what, are you, what is your tool doing to kind of determine this for people? So our tool is looking at minimum data amounts, um, statistical confidence levels, which is a, a variation in data from two or more objects, right? In this case being ads. And understanding that this ad is statistically significant um, better than the other one. Now, significance is really percentage chances. So when someone says it's 90% significant, what they're really saying is there's a 10% chance this is this data is due to randomness and a 90% chance this is a true winner. Now, not to get too heavy into math here, but statistical significance is based upon deviations right from each other and so forth. And so the problem with with search results is that Tuesdays and Wednesdays and Saturdays 
are different from each other. Sure. And significance is based upon the data that came before, right, will also mirror the data that comes later, which is why if you just test on one day, you're, you may have enough for data for statistical significance, but you really don't because Wednesday is not like Tuesday, which is why we want some of these longer time frames in looking at our information. We have to say, okay, we have confidence in our result mathematically, but do we have confidence in time that the data that comes later will be like the data that came before? Now, let, let, let's say you get into this and you have a confidence. You're like, look, I, I think these two ads are, are crushing it. They're the best ones for me. Are you done? Or do you no. continue? Do you have to? How often do you come back? I mean, I, I found myself doing that since I'm like, look, I've, I've, I started out with the best five ads I could think of. I've gotten down to one that seems to be performing the best. What am I going to change now? Like, why, why would I even change it? Like, what would, how often do you kind of revisit it? And, and, and how do you approach, like, you know, continuing to test something that's clearly your winner or at least seems that way? So, to make the assumption that something's a winner is also making the assumption that the competitive landscape does not change and users don't change their opinion of how they're interacting with things. So, as long as people are changing, or your competitors are changing, then you, you must test or at least be aware that it's time to test again. So what you're often looking at, right, let's say you don't have all the time in the world to spend on this, right? So what you're usually looking at are when do your metrics start to decline a little bit, right? So our, our conversion rate dropped a little bit, our CTR dropped a little bit, we probably want to test again. Or, hey, our competitors have completely changed their offer we may need to respond to that in our ads. And so those are usually a couple of the trigger points. Um, most large companies never stop testing. Um, they have always two to three ads in an ad group, running, testing, getting rid of losers, curating their ads. During a seasonal peak, they may pause down to their absolute best. Um, now, Large companies have more resources, so they have more people who can think about this and write this and, and use tools that just mass create ads. Um, smaller companies are going to do it based upon, hey, our data is changing a little bit. We should go test our, our ads again and see how things are going. Now, is this something that you, you, you put a certain percentage to? I mean, is it like keep 80% of your spend always on your, your performing ads and then play with 20% or is it all over the place? Is there like a standard? There's not a standard. Um, we have, you know, some clients and, and many of them are spending multi-millions per month where every single ad group all the time always has two or three ads in it. They're always testing. Um, we have others who usually on a quarterly basis, they'll sit down once a quarter and say, we're going to test this quarter. We're going to test these three things. They run the test. And when they're done, usually a month, six weeks later, um, they'll just pause at, you know, all the losers for the next six weeks, and then they go choose something else to go test, and they, they do quarterly testing. Um, agencies usually do monthly testing because they have to do monthly reports to clients. I think it's a I think it's a really great point you make, and it just kind of reemphasize that point that people are changing, right? And and how what people are purchasing based on what you know kind of training, what kind of learning has changed over time, and that you know you you may have a different selling point you know, three, six months from now, even though your product is the same. I think that's, that's something I haven't heard a lot of people say. And I think that it's, a, it's not necessarily rocket science, but it's definitely a significant statement. 
and and seasonal items right so like um i live in washington dc and so the hotels here the smart hotels here right i shouldn't say the hotels in general because not all of them are smart well you know we just had the dogwood festival so the ads talk about staying near where the dogwoods are and and then we have the start of the football season about to start so now the 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 um hotels by the stadiums are talking about hey come and watch the the redskins game right stay next to the stadium and then we're going to see that again so they're looking at the events and they're they're constantly changing ads based upon why people in this case need a hotel um, obviously, every industry is different, but it's not just the downtown hotel in D.C. It's the downtown hotel, hotel that's near, okay, what do we need to be near based upon what's happening in the city? I wonder how many people do that the opposite way, right? It's like, hey, get your RV now. Burning Man registrations are about to happen, you know, or hey, we're having, you know, sick of, you know, all the people coming back at 2 a.m. from the football game, you know, like, you know, <laughs> stay across town away from the game and away from the traffic. I've never seen that, but I wonder if people actually run like opposite campaigns of like, stay away from this, you know, might be interesting. And now let's take a short break to talk a little bit about our sponsor. So I want to talk a moment about Optio, who's our sponsor for the podcast. Optio helps Google ad managers automate time-consuming manual tasks so you can spend more time on high-level strategy and creative work. Optio analyzes your Google ads performance and suggests new ways you can optimize the account. It helps you stay on top of bids, budgets, keyword management, and ad testing, and it also sends you email alerts if there are any sudden changes in your cost, impressions, clicks, and conversions, all of which will help you a ton. Right now, Optio is offering a special six-week trial for all of you, our listeners. Just go to optio.com slash S-E-J. That's O-P-T-E-O dot com slash S-E-J to get started. And with that, let's get back into our episode. Yeah. So um, how do you deal with all of this once you start getting volume, right? I mean, this is fine if we're running, you know, PPC software, you know, ads, or if we're, you know, uh, doing some content marketing campaigns for myself or something like that, where I've got a handful of ads, maybe a handful of ad groups. But what happens when you start getting into like e-commerce or you start getting into products or you start getting into things that have a large volume? How do you do this on, a, on scale? Sure. So usually you're, you're breaking your accounts up into to two types, sorry, two types of ad groups. You've got ad groups that are so important and you usually only have a handful of them, maybe a couple dozen if we're really big, that you must control the ad, the ad testing in it because those are the super important products or sales messaging or brand or whatnot. And then you have everything else, right? All that, that long tail type of stuff. And mm -hmm. so usually for, you know, the, the long tail type, which I mean, in many cases could be thousands of clicks a month. Um, you're doing what we call multi ad group testing, where instead of testing ads per ad group, you're just saying, all right, here are two different sales we're running. Let's test these, these two messages in a thousand ad groups or here's two calls to action let's test this in a thousand ad groups and, and you're often writing that same pattern right the different call to action different benefit whatever it is in you know two different headlines um, across a thousand ad groups replicating that changing the headline across a thousand ad groups and you're aggregating that data by those different patterns so that way, like we have a, a fairly large company um, who every 
week. Yes, they do a million ads versus a million ad test um, every week, and so they have two. They have you know two million ads. Um, it's a million different ad groups, and they put here is our new brand message in these million. Here's our other uh, incumbent message in these other million. We're just going to test the incumbent message versus the new one, and then we'll we'll wait you know a week or two to see how each one's doing. We'll pause on million losers and then change the next million. And so they're not looking at any one ad. No one ad matters to them. It's the aggregate data. Um, and, and so it's a, it's, if you want to look it up online, it's called a multi-ad group setup. And that way you can aggregate. And, and this is good insight data too, right? You can aggregate it across the accounts. And when we think about this, we're saying – we're not finding the best message for an individual targeting method, right? Which is ad group level. We're finding how consumers across a large variety of products or services would not interact with us. And so we have clients who are um, SEO companies who use this testing for title tags. Cause you know, as you know, title tag testing is mm. pretty tough, right? Um, they'll use it for email testing your, your email button. Right is usually a call to action of some sort. They'll use the ad data for that, and and so if you need consumer level data, right, not targeting level, um, is a lot of a lot of good insights you can pull out of that as well. Yeah, I mean it's very similar. Like, well, we used to use a lot of the uh, social aggregate sites as a way. Like, Delicious used to be a great way to find keywords because people would categorize your content with their own keywords, and you start to learn like different ways people would talk about you. So, yeah, I, I think that you know a lot of times, um, you know, research and things we can learn for other parts of our marketing are often overlooked as value adds to some of the uh, practices we implement. Uh, I think that's a, a really interesting point. Um, how do you, you know look? Testing is one of those interesting things where um, as you get into it, you kind of notice things and you want to tweak things, you want to change things. Can you, is there a certain period of time you have to leave everything alone or can you can continue to kind of tweak different parts of the ads, you know, in the different settings as you go, to, you know, to kind of move it along? You know, what, what's the best way when it comes to adjusting or changing the options or, you know, specifics of your ads during the testing sure. phase? So, I mean, if you if you change part of an ad, you essentially reset your testing phase, right? Because you don't you can't use the previous data anymore because your ad has changed. Um, so, you don't really now if you go and you look at your ad, you're like I just don't like it, and I look at the stats and it isn't trending well, then just go change it, right? Um, but if you're constantly changing the ads, then you're also never getting a long enough period of time to really understand how each one was going to do. Now. If you change settings around, you add a whole lot of new keywords, you change targeting methods, you change bid methods, something major like that, you've also reset your ad test um, because you're no longer testing that same geography or location or device or whatever anymore. So you, you do want the ad serving to be the same throughout the test so that you don't have something artificially um, influencing metrics for one ad versus another one so if you were gonna if you get into it you're a day into it you're like oh crap i i totally messed up i didn't put any negative keywords right just you know, that, yeah. just restart a new ad group and just yeah you know, no no don't restart a new ad group right just add your negative keywords and know when you look at cisco significance you want to look at it from the state i got you got you okay that makes sense that yeah. makes that makes sense so what are some of the things that, from your experience 
are like false positives or, or uh, you know, let me ask it better this. What are the factors like negative keywords or things like that that people might think an ad's not working, but it actually is working? They just haven't set it up properly. Are there some kind of, you know, specific things people should look at before they just pull an ad or say it doesn't work? Or is the proof just right there in the statistics? Yeah, the proof's in the statistics because if, I mean, if you're looking at an ad group and there's two ads in it, they, they follow the same rules for ad serving. Right? There is no ad level rule. So the negative keywords apply to both ads equally. Um, the positive keywords apply to both ads equally. So it, it's now, if you look at your account, you're like, wow, we messed this setup. We didn't make any of these. Um, we made all our keywords broad match. We forgot negatives. And oh, we forgot to add the audiences. Then yeah, go don't let your ad testing interfere with fixing up your account, right? Go and, and, and make the adjustments that are going to make you more profitable regardless of those ads and then come back to the ad testing. So this is one of those areas and I have one I have one time for one last question. This is, might be a weird question, but this is one of those areas where I feel like the amount of time it takes to really get in and do this versus utilizing third party tools or, or, or agencies or something like this. This this seems to me like a much harder area. Um, how much time does a, a, a small, let's say a small company, small mom and pop, how much time are these people looking at having to spend to be able to adequately run ads? So if, if well, you mean ad testing or adequately run an account? I, I add testing probably. I mean, okay. I think you get into the other thing. I can get a little. <laughs> yeah. All right. There, there's a lot of ways that can go. So I, how long does it make take you to write an ad? Right. If you think, all right, I write an ad every three minutes, then you could hand write all your ads in 10 ad groups in half an hour. Um, not too hard. If you are using formulas because you're doing multi-ad group testing and you already know the two ads you're creating and you're just duplicating your ads and changing a line, you could change 10,000 ad groups in less than two minutes. Um, so the inception part, it, the initial creation of ads is, is, is your time-consuming part, right? Making some adjustments here and there, adding some other ads, um, it's minimal. Um, you know, at, at most, you're going to spend a few hours a month for most people unless they're managing a fairly substantial account on this. Um, now, your initial creation, again, that could take a very long time. Um, but the tweaking shouldn't be significant because you're not doing it every day, right? You sit down, you add the ad to an ad test, um, you know you're testing in these 15 ad groups, you mark on your calendar in three weeks, let's go look at, let's go run statistical significance and see how we're doing. In three weeks, you're going to go spend an hour looking at the data, making a decision. So it's once you understand the process, uh, I mean, there is time commitment, but it's not, oh, gosh, we're going to spend the next three days just setting up ad tests. That shouldn't be a thing. <laughs> so, Brad, you're you're well respected and well known as kind of one of the best you know, PPC experts in the world. And, and you have a lot of great information to share. How can people find you? Where, where can they follow you? Where are you writing? Where are you speaking? What's your site? You know, tell, you know, tell us some details about how people can track you down and follow you and get in touch with you. Yep, sure. So um, I, if I'm going to hang out in a social place, it's going to be either Twitter at BG Theory um, or LinkedIn. And, and so you just search my name on LinkedIn. You'll find me pretty easily. Um, I primarily write at Adalysis, A-D-A-L-Y-S-I-S dot com. 
Um, we have a, a pretty well read, read blog there. And then I'll be upcoming events speaking. I'll be at um, SMX in New York in December. I'll be at SMX Advanced in Berlin. That's a new one this year um, in October. And then I think my next one is actually uh, February. I'll be in Amsterdam and Berlin um, back to back days. Usually SMXs are the best place to find me at various conferences and then HeroConf as well. And then, of course, anybody can find you through the ad- analysis, right? Yep, of course. Perfect. Uh, thank you, Brad, so much for joining the show. I really appreciate having you on. Oh, well, thank you very much for having me. It's been Seriously. a pleasure. So I want to talk a moment about Optio, who's our sponsor for the podcast. Optio helps Google ad managers automate time-consuming manual tasks so you can spend more time on high-level strategy and creative work. Optio analyzes your Google Ads performance and suggests new ways you can optimize the account. It helps you stay on top of bids, budgets, keyword management, and ad testing. And it also sends you email alerts if there are any sudden changes in your cost, impressions, clicks, and conversions, all of which will help you a ton. Right now, Optio is offering a special six-week trial for all of you our listeners. Just go to optio.com slash S-E-J. That's O-P-T-E-O dot com slash S-E-J to get started.